0: Welcome to Q&A4 with me, uh, MetaNomad, or James Ellis, as you all know my real name now. Um, So these are the questions that have been given um, on Patreon and in the Q&A channel in the Discord. Um, So yeah, let's just get into it. Uh, So the first question is, what do you see as the benefit of joining a spiritual-ism, like Catholicism, uh, with your seeming endorsement of an anarch mind state? Versus exploring spirituality personally with no confines, which of course could still include interacting with Christ consciousness or participating in chosen rituals of those practices as as they serve you. Um, sort of a few questions going on in there. the benefit of joining a spiritualism, I don't particularly think differs uh, between the anarch mind state and the the individual one, which this person's on about. Um, but I'll get to the confusion there with the anarch and the individual. As for joining a spiritualism like Catholicism, um, I think just the, the benefit there is whatever spirituality you wish to practice, practice be it Catholicism, Christianity, or uh, something more esoteric, um, a, a group or an ism is going to give you a firmer foundation. And more often than not, most of the people I know who've done practice things solely. Uh, such as even christianity or occultism stuff uh occultist stuff uh, they tend to not really follow it as strictly as they could because there is something to be said for um, accountability and someone sort of waiting for you to get to a meeting or someone you know some form of sunk cost which you don't want to give up whereas if you're on your own it's entirely down to you and it's much easier to give up so i think really the 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 benefit of joining anyism is that it's sort of an anchor within modernity which is just constantly trying to pull you in multiple directions. As for um uh this joining anism uh against the anarch mind state, it isn't against the anarch mind state as I read the anarch. Um so the anarch position on this would be i, I think, you know, you in a in a certain sense you can actually be an anarch who has some affiliations with certain groups or isms the difference being is that you always retain this sort of third-party understanding of what it is you're within and your 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 sort of being isn't entirely subsumed into that ism that doesn't become entirely who you are um so i think there is something to be said for like but the anarch would always come first so there's something to be said for like uh you know, Junger, who, who came up with the concept of the Anarch um, it said uh, two years before his death, converted to Catholicism. Um, and I think that could be done still from the, the Anarch point of view, but the Anarch point of view would come first in that you think your thoughts and you're not actually getting involved in this in the sense that you believe that it's become your entire uh, life. So I think, that, you know, there's a compatibility there. And I think the benefits are fairly clear, especially within modernity. Um, so the next question is what the role of religion slash spirituality is in collapse slash acceleration Um, so religion and spirituality okay so religion and spirituality in a collapse scenario generally speaking religion just springs back up Um, I would highly recommend Canticle, Canticle for Leibovitz um, I would also recommend Star's Reach by John Michael Greer um, for two great science fiction novels which deal with this topic of how religion comes back uh, in a collapsed scenario and why it comes back and in what form it comes back. And generally, you know, in collapse scenarios, people are seeing their, um, their sort of cornerstones of their ethical and moral livelihoods, you know, the notions of normality, which they held you know, held dear and believed to be sort of these eternal truths. They're seeing these constantly deconstructed and destructed around them. So religion generally fills that gap very quickly. And it's not generally a specific religion. Um, it can be anything, but it's for most people, some sort of anchor to navigate the world from from that point. Um, so when we look at like what's going on with the, the long descent, can you know, currently, with regards to collapse. The cornerstones that I sort of see which would collapse and which will eventually have to be replaced, and I think this is going to happen sooner than we think, one of the cornerstones is the idea that our freedom and our independence and our meaning comes from consumption. And actually a lot of this is, you know, a lot of young people are getting very wise to the fact that they aren't being fulfilled um, by consuming things. And um, the the... One of the the great quotes I came across recently by John Michael Greer is this idea that, just to paraphrase, is the idea that basically all the value we have in our lives is is placed onto uh, things. Now, I have no problem with like discussing property rights, and I think property rights are great. Um, but the all the things that we have a value, such as a house, a car, you know, everything we would say we own which has value is on these sort of very cheaply made consumable items and that is where we hold sort of whether or not we have these sort of this um investment capital held within our lives and if you begin to think well where else do I have value in my life you know do i have let's say stocks and shares even though that's abstract do i have a property with some sort of resource on it such as crops or water um you know, do I have some sort of skill which is valuable, such as, let's say, cooking or, you know, an electrician or a carpenter. Um, most people don't have these. And the, you know, the, so the forms of collapse that we could, you know, just to bring this back round, the forms of collapse that we'll begin to see is the the deconstruction of this cornerstone, which is that consumption is this cornerstone of our very lives. Um, and uh, once that collapses... Um, what you tend to see is people will sort of scatter towards the the nearest thing. So it's like an inverse Nietzschean relation in that, you know, uh, God is dead, but only that that is dead can be be, be reborn. Uh, but of course, when something's reborn, it sort of turns into this undead thing. So what you end up with is often sort of this bastardization of the religion, especially in a collapse scenario, Or you find it is this sort of mutation of it, or it's a grasping at some sort of traditionalism which we don't have the kernel of anymore. So it becomes this very strange thing. Now, as for religion and spirituality and acceleration, my sort of hypothesis on this would be that, you know, coming from the zero acceleration angle is that collapse and acceleration are... The same process inverse, and zero accelerationism is the point that these two are always working together um so when as you let's say in quotation marks progress or accelerate you are collapsing things are collapsing at the same time and so what happens there with religion is that even you know if you if you find um the inverse of, of a cornerstone of someone's morality or normality collapsing the inverse of that would be some sort of new innovation which completely um you know derails what we thought of the world so let's say if there's some new highly developed ai what happens then is exactly the same thing many people will sort of scatter back to religion as a sort of familiarity which gives them comfort and many people will alter that worship towards the new thing as people will do um in a collapse scenario so what the, you know the the innovative original thing which is born from either an event of collapse or an event of acceleration that is something which has two sides of potential worship either some you know people are scared and they go back to the familiarity or they utilize that thing as a new form of worship Uh, as we see in the form of you know people who worship are beginning to worship ai um rocco's basilisk is this sort of sort of quasi-religious thing now or theological thing in the sense that whether or not you need to begin to worship something before it comes about. Um, you know, and I think just in terms of fiction, I think one of the great examples would be the Fallout series where people begin to worship the atomic bomb after a nuclear holocaust because that's sort of the centre point of what has caused their new reality. Um, so things along those lines. I think that's how they interconnect. Um, so the next question is, how are traditionalism and exit connected? Um Or what religious occult practices are worth cultivating in order to prepare for and carry out an exit? Okay, so traditionalism and exit, I really think they're only really connected in an aesthetic way. Um, Many of the people who sort of hearken for an exit, it's like an exit backwards. You know, they want to exit modernity and retreat or reverse back to something else. So I think in that sense, they are adhering to a form of tradition which has long since gone. And I think it's quite silly to do that uh, and actually quite dangerous because, once again, you're never dealing with the pure thing. Um, but I don't think it, it's solely bad either. Um, I think, you know, there's there's clearly time... Te- the point of tradition is that it's time-tested morals which have, have been proven to work uh, and time-tested, you know organizations of society which have been proven to work so i don't really see anything wrong with tradition in the sense of a toolbox to learn from um but what people the problem is is that when people exit are they going to drag contemporary values into these traditions and bastardize them in the sense that that tool then becomes useless that would be my worry um what religious occult practices are worth cultivating in order for in order to prepare and and carry out an exit um, well exit is a process um, I've said this a long time Like, like it's, you don't suddenly get somewhere and you've exited that's a really dangerous position to be in um, and this is like the Kaczynskian exit that's in Ted Kaczynski in that you know you, you get your little patch of land and you're you cording yourself off and for two years he was fine and then the the dirt bikes started coming by um, the planes were flying over and then the logging company came in and all of a sudden his Eden is, is like infected and this is the problem, you can't do that. You know, that's why exit is a process is that you can't just exit, you know, exit in quotation marks society and then pretend that it doesn't exist. Um, it's a problem with a lot of nature writing is that they go off to these beautiful places and write about them in, you know, this sublime language. But they do so in, in the way that they sort of are acting as if society is dead and gone. Um, and that's a very dangerous thing to do. As for occult religious religious practices I'm not the one you know I'm not the person to say like whatever you want to practice go practice it I'm all for personal freedoms um, um, I don't think there's any specific to exit which which I would sort of recommend maybe I think maybe some Gurdjieff practices such as the stop exercise or the you know this, the, the general idea of Gurdjieffian thought that you're sleeping I mean exit is, is potentially this exit from being asleep as Gurdjieff would um, call it. So probably Gurdjieff would be a good person to look into for for that. So the next question. To what extent, if any, has the philosopher John Gray influenced your outlook, particularly his writings on the myth of progress? This is something I've thought about in recent years. John is like, he's, you know, John Gray is someone I'd like love to get on. Um, But he's obviously, you know, best selling, very popular. So I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon. Um, As for influence, actually, I was in high school when I was first, recommended um straw dogs by john gray and that probably stayed in the back of my mind while i was sort of trying to spout these liberal values up until i was about 17 18 and yeah, everything clicked that it just wasn't working but john gray's critique of progress is there and um, so i read i've read straw dogs um black mass and one which i forgot the name of and john gray tends to repeat himself you know he's one of these critics of progress who's the same arguments are there um Time and time again, there's nothing wrong with that, and I think he's actually a brilliant person to recommend to anyone who's potentially on on the borderline of beginning to question these things. He doesn't go the whole hog, uh, not even close, but he definitely influenced and stayed in the back of my mind because I first read Straw Dogs when I would have I would have been 15 when I read that. So that critique of progress and this this those ideas definitely stayed Um, as for you know, I think there is better critics of progress. Christopher Lash is one. Uh, Greer Greer is the greatest critic of progress, uh, working at least. Um, Have I ever considered interviewing Eugene McCarrah? He wrote The Enchantments of Maimon. Um, I know I've never heard of him and I haven't heard of the book, but I will, of course, consider interviewing him. Um, uh, You know, I'll consider interviewing anyone if you just place their name in the... uh, Feedback and recommendations channel. Then I will get in contact with them and see if it it fits. Next question is: Would I like to live in the Victorian era? Um, we actually discussed this in the Discord, and it was quite a funny chat. There's so many variables here. As much as I would love to, the context is: What kind of person am I? Am I you know a serf? Am I a peasant? Am I a nobleman? Um, even if I was a nobleman, the idealization of the victorian era as this amazing you know innovative place it's in part true with regards to certain you know areas let's say of communication with regards to engineering with regards to a lot of writing um and art it's great but i also don't want you know dysentery cholera um i don't want to throw my shit out of the window into the street um there's a lot of other things like that Though arguably they did have the, some of the greatest diets that we've ever seen in history. They ate a lot of um, very oily fish and fresh fruit, fruit and veg, apparently. So would I like to live there? I'd like to sort of have a day where I could um, walk through the average day and, in a you know Victorian era and see what's going on. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see it. I wouldn't like to live it. Um, have I thought of interviewing Matt Christman? Uh, I'll, I'll look into him once again. Uh, So next question, you're knowledgeable about the art world. What do you think of the artist Pikmin? This this is a reference to H.P. Lovecraft's novels. So, um, yeah, he's great. (laughs) What has your relationship been to near-reaction NRX through the years? You mentioned a few months ago about the compatibility between Zedak... And NRX and the possibility of some kind of merger of theories, zero reaction. Have you given it any more thought? So my relationship to the near reaction was sort of when I first came across near reaction, I was completely drawn in, you know, Um, because it was, it was the, the, I can't say the beacon of light, but the beacon of, (laughs) the beacon of darkness to, to just make sense of a lot of what has been basically not been able to ignore um, for a long time. And it has slowly dampened, but that's not out of lack of sort of agreement. Though, of course, saying you agree with neo reaction is a silly thing to say, there's a lot of arguments there. So, I would just sort of clarify that by saying I don't agree with it all, but then I don't think any member of it would agree with it all. Um, and when we're talking about neo reaction, we're talking about lots of different things. So, you could say that that sort of politics resonates with me just because, of personal experience and anecdotal experience, I've just found that form of organization and societal organization and even you know small group organization to be more beneficial in terms of getting things done um as for the compatibility between that and zerac the the point for me with that was that zero reaction is about understanding limits it's about understanding the, the the sort of the bleakest reality of things and that's really what near reaction is doing on a political level um However, the you know when I think about that now, the 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 problem of the compatibility would compatibility would be that I don't know how heavily political zero acceleration is really. It's more of, it's turned more into sort of a physics based argument with regards to what's just going on on a level of production. Um, but I would still quite like to write that much. so it's still in the back of my mind as something I'd love to write. Um, have I ever thought about interviewing Campbot? Um, someone a couple of people have asked this. Um, no, but not out of you know. I have whatever's going on with him at the moment. I don't really know. Um, I just leave it be. I don't want anything to do with that. Um, but the, my I do have sort of um, some rules, sort of almost unwritten rules, with regards to who I interview. So they they sort of do have to have had published a book or at least be known for some sort of for creating or producing some you know. Should we say artistic? objects you know book film famous blog or something along these lines uh and they do have to use a real name that's uh that's just something that i just keep as a level of quality uh and there's a certain level of irony that i don't want on the podcast too um so yeah does that but i have no real you know whatever Uh, have I read or got into the work of uh, Francois Larelle future Christ delves heavily into Christian Gnosticism so I'd say it's uh, at least of interest Um, I've got uh, the the urbanomic uh, Larelle I'm not sure how to pronounce his surname um, sitting on my shelf and I just never got around to reading it Uh, it's something I want to dig into but um, it's probably going to be a long time until I do so not yet I haven't read any actually do I practice any Christian mysticism the Jesus prayer or the Carmelite meditation for example Uh, yeah I do practice the Jesus prayer actually so yeah yep. Um, plans for more teachable courses e.g. the camp one Um, this is a good question Um, so what was happening with this is like I'm still working on the land book Um, uh, and it's just just taking longer than I thought and once that first draft's done what's going to happen probably in the new year now probably in the new year I think that's just the safest thing to say In the new year, I'm going to start the Continental Current course, um, which is, you know, following the entire history of continental philosophy, uh, taking on, in a chronological form, of birth dates, and then uh, looking at the major works of that philosopher. So for Kant, that is The Critique of Pure Reason, The Groundwork for Any Future Metaphysics, The Other Two Critiques, Anthropology, and The Metaphysics of Morals, and uh, his last opus i can't remember the title unfortunately but that so not every single book but most of them and then once they are done then i will turn that into a course with the potential for um you know uh, seminars etc um so they'll be coming but if you're looking if you're sort of waiting on a camp course teachable course then i'd say probably around um middle of next year um but once that that series is underway you know that's going to be one of my big focuses because i'm super excited about it um so yeah have i ever read or ventured into any analytic philosophy uh, any interest in wittgenstein russell nozick Rorty? uh stani has argued we should try to amalgamate the two disciplines um so the first question there yes i've ventured into analytic philosophy on a very very sort of just quick level just to 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 sort of try and basically understand what's going on there so i've read wittgenstein i've read the Tractatus, um and i've read wittgenstein's biography because that was actually really really interesting the one by ray monk um the only russell i've read is his history of western philosophy which i didn't like very much um and nozick and rossi i haven't read um i have an interest in it but the the the, the next question sort of answers something else, which is amalgamate the two pl- two disciplines i don't Entirely agree with the, the split. I understand it because there is a, you know, the split between the continental and the analytic. I understand it is clear in terms of style, in terms of approach, in terms of method. It's very clear. So I understand the split, but in terms of answering truths and answering questions, uh, you know, a method would arrive at the same conclusion, just in different form. And I think most most philosophers that i've spoken to and most tutors that i've spoken to would agree in a certain sense that really there isn't as many differences as we like to think there are and i think really that split just comes from a sort of 10 to 20 year period when the split was so clear in terms of style and method that you had to sort of make the split whereas i don't think that's the case anymore at all um yeah, have I read Snow Crash, Diamond Age, um, Others by Stevenson? If so, what do you think about them? Uh, I've read those two. I've read Snow Crash and Diamond Age. Um, I've also read uh, The Big U. And I didn't like The Big U, but that's his debut book, so he can be forgiven. I thought it was a bit clunky. But Snow Crash and Diamond Age are just fantastic. Stevenson is so utterly readable. And he's like this, uh, he's like an office ballad. He's very. On point, and he's he's, he's an optimistic ballad in a way, um, and a lot of what he 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 writes about, you know, it's coming true to the letter. Um, I can't give anything massively original to say about them. I mean, they've been spoken about to death. Um, they're utilised a lot in NRX circles, actually. To to go back to one of the other questions. Um, and largely because I think there is this sort of dark optimism with respect to, you know, what what the future is going to look like. Um, and one of the things I th- I, th- I think I do enjoy about Stevenson is is his focus and expansion on what can happen when just one single new technology does get sort of accelerated. So, for instance, in the Diamond Age, uh, sorry, in Diamond Age with nanotechnology, he doesn't just use that as this this like it's something in the background. He it is accelerated to the point that you know we are understanding how a technology is is going to completely change. Everything for us, um, but I highly recommend them. And I, you know, I want to read so many. more. I want to read Sevenses. I want to read Kryptonomicon. Um, I've heard they're great. So yeah. Uh, which answer to the Hermetics question surprised you the most? None of them have been. None of them have been massively surprising. Like you could, I could say Nick. You know, Nick Lands. You know, with the five lemurs. But in retrospect, that isn't surprising at all. Um, yeah, no, none of them have been massively surprising, really um so i spoke the next question i spoke last q a of my consideration of becoming an orthodox christian and i speak highly of father seraphim rose he speaks very critically in orthodoxy and religion of the future of trends in the west towards new age spirituality uh, and the occult in all its forms due to their leading an individual away from the patristic teachings of the church that can provide salvation I grew up Catholic and am not currently a member of any Christian denomination, but I find Rose's words very compelling. How in your mind could one balance a sincere Orthodox practice with an interest in the occult and thinkers like Land and Clagas, who who are particularly scathing in their critiques of Christianity and organised religion? It appears to me that Rose would label their thoughts being demonic in the sense of leading away from Christ, away from repentance and piousness. Big question. And it's a good question and it's something that I've thought about for a long 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 time in you know in short it's how can you balance an interest in the occult with a, a a personal religious following which really does not want you to 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 go that way. I could take the easy out and go you know go to a anglican church which some of them are very very open about you exploring this stuff. Tolkien example is a key example of this. Um but I wouldn't, you know. Orthodox is is what interests me. The, you know, I I can't really answer this question unless I spoke to a priest about it. Um, in in terms of what I think now, however, is that as long as they're kept at arms arms length, and as long as I continuously read the scripture, in what sense, you know, it's sort of like. There's a certain amount of we live in a society there in that, well, there's certain things that you have to deal with on a daily basis, and I think it's good to understand them. So the way that demonic forces work, for instance, and, and the way that, you know, uh, let's say Satan props his head up in modern society is something that you should potentially try to understand because it's something that you've got to, you know, the best way to de- defeat your enemy is to understand how he's going to try attack you. So there's that. but And I think there's a difference between that and practice and let's say divulging in the thought to the extent of like an indulgence um so yeah that would be my answer to that what are my thoughts on hans Hermann hopper uh democracy the the god that failed is just fantastic and it, it is such a watertight argument with respect to how and why democracy Tends to just degrade any society or civilization that it touches, and the the passages on time preference are the ones that stuck with me particularly. I really want to dig into his his, his other work, and I really want to dig into Austrian economics um, a lot more once I've got the time. Um, but but I really, you know, I really dig Hopper. I think he's great, and I think he's great. Like if you listen to his interviews, he's really funny, and I recommend anyone to listen to him. He's really not scared of offending people. Uh, which is, you know, we need more of that. Um, How did I choose my handle, as in MetaNomad? So Nomad was from the Deleuzean Nomad. So the idea was that I had this blog, which I didn't ever really want. You know, a lot of people have political blogs, or they have film blogs, or they they have food blogs or whatever, and I didn't really ever want my blog to be like, I'm only writing about this because you find a lot of dead blogs who reach the, the terminal point of writing about a certain thing um so the nomad was like well maybe one week i'll write about a film maybe i'll do politics the next week, blah 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 maybe you know maybe i'll just put an image up the week after that and that's how it started um you know so how it started was writing about these sort of reactionary politics and um uh the accelerationist stuff and now it's gone to collapse and occultism and all over the place but i think there's a probably is a thread there that holds it all together um the better was just because I wanted to open that up and say, well what you know, what, what would be a meta nomad? What's you know, you're you're not only you, you're being nomadic between jumping between these things, but you're actually assessing that process as well on a meta level. So that is where that came from. Uh, there is a little the fact the first the first post on metanomad.net is about that actually. So check that out. Um so that is all the questions. Um I could add a few things here about what's going on with the podcast. I mean, it's just going sort of swimmingly recording loads of stuff, trying to find something for a Christmas and perhaps potentially a new year's special for you guys. Um, trying to finish the book, potentially going to begin research into a new course on reactionary to neo-reactionary thought, which goes from, uh, so it would be Bodin, Burke, Demester, um, Junger and then Yavin and Land uh, maybe like Hopper as well um, so I think that would interest a lot of people um, and then I also beginning researching research in the Continental Current thing which as I said is going to be like the longest series ever I'm not sure when it would end so sort of compiling stuff for that um, but yeah any feedback any recommendations um, make sure to, to sort of either message me email me hermeticspodcast at protonmail.com um, or best be me in the Discord. Um, but yeah, thanks for all your support. It's it's just going super swimmingly. Um, so yeah, thank you, and I'll see you for the next Q and A in roughly a month.